Hey y'all and welcome back to Playmaker's Corner. I am your host for today's episode, Cody Stoffer, and we have another spotlight for you that includes a lot of 3A teams, but I'm actually going to start with a 5A team that was requested in the North Glen Norsemen, and let's jump right into it here. The North Glen Norsemen, they started off in the spring earlier this year, that was their last season. And in that season, they had a pretty rough time. They went 1-5 in five in the spring, starting off with a win against Hinkley High School, 44-0, before losing to Westminster by one point, then losing to Fort Collins, 52-14, losing to Boulder, 31-0, losing to Mountain Range, 40-7, and losing to Adams City, 22-13. They've already corrected some of these things in their league as they get ready to play this upcoming season. So... Jumping into it, in the class of 2021 who graduated, you have some players that include Zeke Burge, quarterback D'Angelo Montoya, wide receiver Nathan Alvarez, cornerback Antonio Gomez, and linebacker Jonah Chapel. This season, it was kind of hard to determine who some of their more notable players are as their stats are definitely outdated. But some stats included Brian Dijkstra, who on defense was second in tackles with 36. DeAndre Singleton, who had three tackles for loss. Javen Thorne, who has 40 tackles, including five for loss. Giovanni Cardano, Cardana, who had four tackles for loss. Kim Young, who has an interception and fumble recovery, so forcing two turnovers on that side of the ball. Not to forget quarterback Josh Martinez. He, at least so far in Max Preps, is responsible for two rushing touchdowns, is the leading rusher, and has also thrown two touchdowns. The only problem here is that his completion percentage is abysmal at 36%, as well as throwing more interceptions than touchdowns, so it looks like he has to work on his decision-making. However, he is a senior this year, so they are looking to have someone else step up next year and take over that quarterback spot. Now... So far in this season, they are 2-5, so they've already improved from last year, you know, including a win over Mountain Range that was pretty huge. They, like I said, they lost to Mountain Range last year, so it's really good to see them get a win inside their league this year, and it was a really solid win. They beat Mountain Range 43-3, so that is major improvement, especially from last year where they lost to them 40-7. Well, it wasn't even last year. It was just earlier this year. So, you know, that's a pretty quick turnaround inside the league. They were competitive earlier in the spring against teams like Westminster. And I say that they were pretty competitive in this game against Westminster as well. That was the game that they played on the 8th of October where they lost 28-13. to And so in other games on the schedule, they actually started off with a win against Thornton High School when, you know, Thornton came into town. And um, they won 30-6 to to start the season, and that was really awesome for them to start off with a win, just like they did against Hinkley. They did experience a bit of a rough schedule after that, honestly. They had Douglas County High School after that, who, like I said in the past, has A.J. Jackson, who's one of the more electrifying athletes in all of Colorado. So it was nice for them to open up the season with a win, and that included a very good performance out of Singleton, who's also a running back. In that game against Thornton, he did have 17 carries for 104 yards and two scores. And then on the defensive side, they had 
eight tackles for loss, including Singleton, who had three, Giovanni Cardano, who had three, Brock Butcher, as well as Conrad Venegas. So that is kind of what their team has looked like. They still have struggled quite a bit this year. Like I said, they have the loss to Douglas County. They lost to Rock Canyon, Rocky Mountain, Prairie View, Westminster. So overall, I see them ending this season at two and eight, probably. I think that part of that is just because outside of the mountain range and Thornton game, their score differential is very, very low. It's, well, as in they have a very high negative score differential is what I should say. But I'd say that the rest of these games on the schedule are winnable. They do have Boulder High School coming up. They also have Adams City. But these teams aren't the best teams. You have Boulder High School, who's currently 3-5 and five right now. And Adams City is 3-4. and four. And, you know, Boulder, they've, they kind of hung tough with Fairview earlier this season. And Adams City kind of hung tough with Denver South. So those guys are a little bit battle-tested. But, you know, I think on the plus side of things, you could end this season 4-6. and six, Or, worst case scenario, you end it 2-8, and eight, and then you look and see what you have in next year's class. But that's kind of my quick assessment on goal on North Glen. Coming up next, I will be talking about a lot of these 3A teams from the Central West League and talk about how the rest of their season should look. Coming up next. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm going to be talking about, in this segment, Glenwood Springs Demons. And, you know, this is a team that has experienced a lot of recent success, and they do have some ballers on both sides of the ball. So let's jump right into it. First off, shout out to Glenwood Springs. They got they have been so supportive on social media, especially Instagram. And so, you know, obviously I wish them the best the rest of this season. I wish you know, health upon this team and whatnot. So last year they did play in the spring and they played in the 3A division and they had an incredible performance and arguably could have won state last year. They finished the season seven and one and they kind of blew through a lot of these teams. You know, they beat Aspen 41-14, Montezuma Cortez 27-12, Cole Ridge 42-12. And then on the harder part of their schedule that included Basalt and Rifle, they you know, beat these teams in very close games. You know, they beat Basalt 21-14. Basalt is one of the more talented 2A teams in the entire state. They beat Rifle 22-15. And this was the year that Rifle ended up winning the entire thing. So, and they ended the regular season against Salida 49-0. Y'all already know how I feel about Salida. But anyways, in the first round of the playoffs, they did face Northfield and they waxed them 56-13 and ultimately lost to Rifle in the playoffs in overtime 20-17, to Rifle being the eventual state champions. Simon, I believe, watched this game. He told me it was a very exciting back-and-forth game with athletes on both sides. But, you know, Rifle, they really just were rolling with that, you know, kind of power run through last year's playoffs, and ultimately that's what brought them state, and Glenwood Springs was just an ounce shy. So some notable athletes who graduated in 2021 from this Glenwood Springs team included running back Garrett Dolahan. He had 102 carries for 630 yards and seven scores. Wheatley Nislanik, 
He was the leading receiver on this team with 23 receptions, 205 yards, and four scores. Ian Cecil Horrell, he had 48 tackles, including seven for loss. And then a lot of their top tacklers actually graduated. And I'm just going to read off a list here of Enrique Garcia, Zach Cecil Horrell, Jeffrey Lowe, Stephen Morris, Sebastian Garcia, Nolan McPherson, Jeremy Bradshaw. Those were guys who made up eight of the top 10 tacklers on this Glenwood Springs team. So they lost a lot of experience on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that you start to see it once I go through these scores from their schedule this year. But, you know, that a lot of those tackles are lost. And a lot of those guys also played on the offensive line. So you lost experience up front on D-line and O-line, which always hurts. And they had pretty good size and mobility, I'd say. And also the Horrell brothers between Ian and Zach, they made up seven of the 10 sacks last year. So that's a lot of tackles and sacks to lose on the defensive side of the ball. You also have a lot of turnovers that are lost there. I mean, five of their seven interceptions graduated in Stephen Morris and Jeffrey Lowe. Nine of their 11 forced fumbles graduated. And, you know, this is just one of the biggest you know, I'd say losses of overall defensive talent and chemistry that I've seen a high school have to graduate in one year other than maybe Cherry Creek. I mean, really, that's a lot of starters to graduate. And, you know, to have it happen in the spring season too, at least they got to play a season, so kudos to them. But, you know, it, it left Glenwood Springs in a very tough spot. And that's not to mention, you know, Blake Nieslanik. He was, you know the leader in rushing last year with nine rushing touchdowns, 1,009 yards, and four receiving scores. And he came back this year, but I think that he might have been experiencing some kind of injury problems because he only had stats listed through one game. Now, this could be Max Preps that has outdated data, but I feel like he hasn't been in the lineup because this offense has appeared not dynamic at times even returning the exact same quarterback from last year. And yeah, in that one game, he had over 100 scrimmage yards and an interception. So he's great on both sides of the ball, but I feel like he hasn't been fully available this year. And that's part of the reason why they've struggled. Talking about last year into this year, you know, Joaquin Sandoval, he has definitely taken a step back this season you know, in that spring season, he threw 11 TDs to just three interceptions and he ran for another two. But, you know, I this could be a couple of things. This could be, you know, the defense not being as, you know, chemistry sound as last year. Or it could be the fact that now they're facing an all 3A schedule as opposed to this spring where they faced primarily, if not only a 2A schedule from those spring season and those playoffs. And, you know... It, this this season, he still has ran for four scores and he's thrown three through the first few games of the season, but his turnovers have increased. And so that is something to watch. He's only a sophomore because he played as a true freshman last year. Well, okay, there's all, only such thing as a true freshman on the high school level, but you know what I mean. And, you know, I think that there's still plenty of room for him to grow and to settle in. He's kind of experiencing what it's like being in an unfamiliar spot. You're going to have people graduate. So maybe some more people from his class will come up and there will be more chemistry there. Currently on this Glenwood Springs team, Ray Rosenmerkel is the leading rusher and receiver 
with about 400 combined yards and four touchdowns on max preps. And then you also have Teddy Huttenhauer, who led the team in tackles last year, and he's doing it again this year and adding in more tackles for loss. And so looking at this Glenwood Springs team, I'm just going to talk about how their season has gone so far. They started off super hot. They smacked around Harrison 41 to 14. They even got revenge on Rifle in Rifle with a 13 to 7 win. And then they beat Connor for 35 to 27. Now Harrison, they are not particularly good this year and neither is Rifle, but I think that you know, these two wins against Rifle and Conifer say a lot more about the team that they are this year than, you know, the rest of these games where they struggle. Basalt, they lose the rematch to Basalt from last year, 34 to 14. And then they just struggled these last two weeks against Roosevelt. And then in Summit, who is their league, they lost both these games by a combined score of 83 to 0. And that has put them in a seriously tough spot as they head into Steamboat Springs, who is currently 5 and 1 on this friday that's october 15th and yeah you know there's definitely room to be concerned with this granted i don't think you know steamboat springs has particularly beaten anyone who's good so i think this will be a closer game than maybe maybe the critics think but you know this league is a very tough league you have eagle valley afterwards and i would have loved to do a spotlight on them but there just wasn't enough data to be found on them for a full breakdown from last year and this year then you also have palisade who i'm going to talk about in this as well as battle mountain so you know i think that they should probably beat this battle mountain team at the bare minimum and that puts matt four and three and then they have a really tough game here against steamboat springs that's in steamboat springs i think that puts you in a really tough position to win so you got four and four and then you have eagle valley and then Palisade, Eagle Valley, who's also having a pretty solid season at 3-2. and two. And they just got out of a really close loss to Steamboat, actually, recently. But they've kept up with some of the best teams on the 2-3A and three A levels. And that's something that I just don't think Glenwood Springs has quite accomplished yet this season. So I can see them dropping this game in Eagle Valley once again to Eagle Valley putting them at, well, at that point in the season, they'd be three and five. And then they also have Palisade, who is a team that I'm going to be talking about on the next segment, actually. And they have some pretty impressive athletes. I don't really like, you know, certain aspects of their offense, but they have proven to be a formidable threat on this 3A level. And ultimately, their losses aren't the worst in the world. So this Palisade game is going to be the one to watch for, I think, in this Glenwood Springs schedule. And the one to determine whether they go 500 at 5-5 five and five, or whether they go 4-6. and six. Uh, That Palisade game can go either way. Glenwood Springs, on the upside, is playing this game at home. But, you know, they've, they've kind of struggled at home. They have a losing season at home this year with a 1-2 and two record. So they want to rectify that and hopefully get some wins to close out the season against Palisade and Battle Mountain. So that's kind of what I, where I see Glenwood Springs going is either 5-5 five and five or 4-6 and six is how the rest of this year will go. Obviously, I want them to prove me wrong. And once again, huge shout-out to those guys over there. I hope that you know I could do a film breakdown on Joaquin Sandoval sometime and kind of give him some pointers as far as what went well his freshman year versus his sophomore year and see if there's any recommendations that I can make for him. And then I hope that Blake Nieslinik is healthy 
and does get to finish out what I believe is his senior year of high school. And obviously, I wish luck for the rest of these cats as well. But that does it for the Glenwood Spring segment of this episode. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about the Palisade Bulldog. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and I'm going to be talking about the Palisade Bulldogs this year. But actually, I'm going to start with last year, where they went 4-2. and two. They didn't make the playoffs because COVID shortened the playoff bracket. But anyways, they started off with a 2-0 record, beating Evergreen High School and Battle Mountain. I should note that in this Evergreen game, Evergreen was without Griffin, Loritano, as well as Noah Martins, two of the best athletes in 3A who were both major impact players. I think that this game result would have been very different had Griffin or Noah possibly played. Then they lost to Lutheran High School 54-24, Lutheran being one of the leading contenders on the 3A level this year. Then they beat Green Mountain out of Lakewood 31-24. Then they lost to Noah Wagner's Conifer Lobos, 28-14. Noah Wagner being our number three rated running back in the entire state last year out of the senior class. And then they ended the season on a win against Eagle Valley, 42-Zil. Eagle Valley has since improved drastically. But in 21, they did lose some dudes. They lost their leading rusher in Gabe Harrison, who had 408 yards and five scores. They also lost Julio Rodriguez, who had five rushing touchdowns as well. Their leading receiver, Jace Bush, who had over 100 yards receiving. And these guys, at least Julio and Jace, also made big impacts on the defensive side of the ball. Julio recorded 60 tackles, including three for loss. Jace Bush had four interceptions and five pass deflections as a defensive back, making him one of the better defensive backs in the entire state of Colorado, much less at the 3 gay level, finding lots of success. You also had Caleb Hicks who had 55 tackles, and Kerry Seriani, who led the team in tackles for loss and sacks, the tackles for loss being nine and four and a half sacks. You also have Donovan Maestas, who I don't see recorded on these new stats. I don't know if he transferred or decided to not play football this year or what the story is, but last year he had three interceptions, 106 return yards off of those interceptions, a pass deflection, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. So he really did the most on that defensive side of the ball, and I just did not see him on the roster this year. And so talking about this year, they are once again 4-2, and two, but you know there's more games to look forward to. And I think that you know they definitely dropped the ball in one of these games. They lost to Grand Junction Central. I think that that is a fairly inexcusable loss all things considered but you know that's that's just where they are and so they open up the season though with a huge win over rifle 35 to 3 then they lose to grand junction central i'm sure that nine times out of ten they play that game they probably win it but they lost this one 12 to 8 and just struggled they then beat delta 28 to 10 they lost to montrose 35 to 7 they then got revenge on Conifer this year, winning 42 to 21, and they also beat Battle Mountain 28 to 17. And their schedule starts to get really tough going down the stretch here. Between 
Palisades, Stretch, Summits, Stretch, and Steamboat Springs' Stretch. One of these three teams will end up winning this 3A Central West League. And so let's talk about, you know, some guys that have been getting it done for Palisade this year. And so specifically, you have Kevin Solgren, who has two interceptions. Well, in 2020, he had two interceptions, a blocked punt, and led the team in tackles with 64. This season, he leads the team in tackles with 80 in the same amount of games. So he's really stepped up his game. I think that his first step is a lot more explosive, and he trusts his instincts a lot more, and he just takes better angles overall. You also have on the offensive side of the ball, Phelan Salvati, Salvati, who leads the team with 534 yards rushing and also five rushing touchdowns. But that's not to disrespect the quarterback slash one of the better runners and athletes on this team, Malachi Espinosa. I had him crowned as one of my players of the week in a recap before. He has he had three rushing touchdowns and 175 yards last year. This year, he leads the team in rushing touchdowns with 10 whole rushing touchdowns, including one game where he exploded for four. He also has 526 rushing yards, so he's just behind Phelan in rushing total. But the only problem with Malachi is he's not the best quarterback because he has no passing touchdowns and he has three interceptions. So this is a run-lenient offense here in Palisade. Also hoping for that defense to force turnovers. And it works when you can force punts with guys like Rhett Ward, who on offense has 408 yards and three scores, but on defense is second on the team with 63 tackles. Franklin Barks has two interceptions and a forced fumble. And Tyrus Despain has two interceptions and six passes defended. So they have a very kind of old school formula as far as forcing turnovers on defense and then just running the ball down your throat. So that's kind of where this team is at. And so looking at the rest of their schedule, they have Summit on Friday the 15th when this is being recorded. The week after that, they play in Steamboat Springs. The week after that, they play in Glenwood Springs. And then after that, they finish at home against Eagle Valley. And I think that Palisade ends this season at 6-4. and four. I think that they drop these next two games to Summit and Steamboat Springs before bouncing back and getting a win over Glenwood and Eagle Valley. All of these games will be close. You have to play mistake-free football in all of these games in order to win them. However, I'm going to err on the side of the teams that have more than one dimension on the offensive side of the ball. This has proven me wrong in the past. I know 3A football is a little bit different, but that is just where I would place my vote of confidence with the quarterbacks on Steamboat Springs and in Summit High School, being able to throw the ball better than Malachi. However, Malachi is easily going to keep Palisade in these games in that explosive backfield between himself, Phelan, and Rhett Ward. You know, they have a lot of guys who can tote the ball. They have solid athletes. I just wish that they had a more developed passing game out there at Palisade High School. But, you know, they still go 500 in this stretch. They might even win three games, but I don't see them coming out of this stretch undefeated personally. And so, you know, best case scenario, you have a 7-3 and three record and a pretty okay seed in playoffs. Worst case scenario, I still think that you go 500 here and you finish the season 6-4 and four and sneak into the playoffs. Maybe not winning your league, but having a shot in the postseason to play against a high seed team and pull off an upset. Because they just have that explosive playability and they also have that stout defense that can you know make you pay for your mistakes. And so that's what they need to do against Summit and Steamboat Springs to have any chances. they got to intercept the quarterback. These quarterbacks have thrown interceptions this year. 
So they, they need their athletes on the defensive side of the ball to keep them in the game, and they need their offensive weapons to be cap capitalistic and to you know op be opportunistic in securing touchdowns whenever given a chance to score. But that kind of does it for my Palisade segment. Coming up next is going to be the last segment of the show where I talk about Summit High School. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the last segment of this episode. This is a spotlight primarily focused on the 3A Central West other than the North Glen Norsemen. And on this last segment, we have the Summit Tigers out of Frisco, Colorado. And last year, this was a bad team. This was a bad football team. I'm not even going to lie. They lost to Connor for 42-34. They beat Thornton 56-23. They lost to Fort Morgan 47-8. They lost to Thompson Valley 20-17. And they lost to Bennett 36 to 16. And that is a 1A football program. And yikes is, is kind of all I have to say about that. Um, I'm not sure what the story was last year, but you know, it's not like they were devoid of talent, in my opinion. I think that, you know, this sophomore who I can't find on the roster now who might have transferred to stop playing football, Eli KC. As a sophomore, he led the team in tackles for loss with six. I believe that he was also a contributor on the offensive line. They had a quarterback, Cameron Califf, who had over 1,000 yards and a 10 to 4 TD to INT ratio with a team leading five rushing touchdowns. And they also had Kobe Courtright, who had around 200 yards receiving. And then on the defensive side of the ball, forced an interception as well as two fumbles. So they had some pretty good players. Aiden Collins is a guy who's returning this year. From last year and last year you know he caught 45 passes for 766 touch, uh, yards and 10 scores all 10 of those scores from the quarterback as a matter of fact and also 50 tackles on defense he's carrying that momentum into this year and carrying that experience and making this a dang good summit team to look out for this year and so talking about this year aiden collins once again being one of the better athletes on this 3a level he has 45 tackles on defense, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble. On offense, he has another 398 rushing yards and four touchdowns, and 30 receptions for 560 yards and six touchdowns to the air. So he's already matched his total touchdown count as far as last year in this year, and he has even more yards already overall because he just didn't get those running back touches last year. You also have Graham Califf who, you know, I believe is related to Cameron, would be my guess. And last year, I had five tackles for loss. And this year, he has two tackles for loss and 20 total tackles. And those two tackles for loss appear to be sacks. So he's good at generating pressure off that edge. KJ Slaw, he has three sacks on the season and 15 tackles. Zach Elam, he's another great force on the defense. Two interceptions, two forced fumbles. And he also has a defensive player of the game under his belt. And then on the offensive side, he has 187 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Alex Sanchez has 295 rushing yards and six scores this year. So, you know, you look at a Zach Elam. He has 187 receiving yards and two scores. You look at a Alex Sanchez. He's able to run for six touchdowns this year. You have an Aiden Collins who's getting it done through the air and the ground. But who's throwing to these guys and who's, you know, getting the handoffs to 
to the running back. And it's actually this defensive player from last year who had 44 tackles and four for loss, who took over at quarterback this year and is doing a splendid job in my opinion. I watched some of his film. I'm a fan of him. He can throw a lot of different routes. He has great touch on the football. And I'm talking about Jack Sherholtz. He has been phenomenal this year. He already has 1,138 passing yards, 12 touchdowns to seven interceptions. You got to cut down on those interceptions. And then another 181 yards on the ground with two running touchdowns. He has an absolute cannon of an arm. He has great touch on the ball. He's left-handed and he opens up his highlight reel with one of the best throws that I've seen in Colorado football this year that is just on a rope down into the right part of the end zone and is just inbounds, barely enough for the receiver to make a play. And so, you know, he makes a lot of those deep throws that are on target. He has great touch, especially when his wide receivers beat the defensive back. He can put it in the seam with a little bit of zip. He can throw slants. But I think his most impressive throws come on his out routes and his comeback routes that have ultimately very good placement and pretty solid timing. I think that interceptions or room for interceptions come in the area where he doesn't get enough zip on it. I think that he needs more velocity on his throws, and that may be attributed to his throwing motion. But I'm not here to do a film breakdown on Jack. I'm here to talk about Summit High School and why I think they have a very strong chance of winning this 3A Central West. And so this year, they got off to a tough start against Delta. They lost 27 to Zill, which is a team that, you know, some of the other teams in this league have beaten. You know, they then bounce back and they beat Skyview 56-0. They beat Aspen 37-20. They lose to Kennedy, who has one of the best quarterbacks in the entire state, in Isaac Cisneros. They lose to them 35-22 before whooping up on Middle Park 41-7 and beating Glenwood Springs 41-0. And I think that these last two results are more indicative of where this season is heading. They have a huge matchup against Palisade. You're not going to be able to force interceptions on a team that doesn't really throw the ball, but you need to put them in a position to throw the ball. I think Summit comes out here, and he needs to blow this game open with a couple of passing touchdowns early and often. I'd love to see a hurry up offense out of summit in in all honesty and just push the pedal to the metal and don't look back against this palisade team otherwise they are going to stick around they're very tough they operate through the running game so you need to make the running game almost obsolete and you need to lock it down on defense these guys have been pretty solid on the defensive side this year but no big plays against this palisade team they will ride that momentum and they will continue to pour it on you so this is a huge game that could go either way, but I'm going to go with my guys, uh, Jack and Aiden here, and I think that they are going to be able to secure a win against Palisade. And, I mean, we'll, we'll find out by the end of the night if I was right or wrong. Then they have a game against Battle Mountain. This is a game that they should definitely win. So even if they lose tonight's game, that should put them at 5-3. and three. I think they can beat in Eagle Valley and go to 6-3. and three. And then the ultimate question is, who's going to win the shootout between Steamboat Springs and and Summit High School. I think that Summit is catching their groove, and so I think that you have to go with the team that has the hot hand, especially if they beat this Palisade team. I think that they roll through the rest of the schedule at eight and two. If they stumble on this Palisade game, you're looking at a possible six and four, in my opinion. But I think that this team has one of the more balanced approaches on offense i think i really like the way that they run their offense honestly with the different routes that they have i like the playmakers that they have on both sides i think that aiden collins 
is a guy who can make some serious noise even in the playoffs, much less on that league play. And so ultimately, I really like Summit High School to kind of run the table here and go 8-2. and two. Worst case scenario, they still probably go 6-4 and four and make the playoffs. Now, this is obviously a possibility for Palisade as well. And then Steamboat Springs, they all, they kind of need some help. Steamboat Springs has only lost one game this year. So if you're Palisade or Summit, you definitely need to beat Steamboat Springs if you want to secure this league title. But this is going to be a very competitive league. I was really excited actually to cover the 3A Central West. I like Glenwood Springs and the support that they've shown us. Palisade has been a spectacle to watch all year. Like I said, Malachi Espinosa, he's the only guy out of all these teams, I think, who has won a playmaker of the week on that 3A level. So kudos to him. And then obviously Summit with their quarterback athletes duo on the offensive side of the ball and just his ability to push the ball downfield. These secondaries of Palisade, Battle Mountain, Eagle Valley, and Steamboat Springs will be tested. Palisade are probably the most equipped and ready for it. But I think this will be a very exciting game and one of the better games this entire week. I believe it is one of the games of the week on our Instagram post. So, but that does it for this episode of Playmakers Corner Podcast. Make sure you find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are also on social media at Playmakers Corner on Instagram, Playmakers Corner on Facebook, at Playmakers Corner on TikTok, and at Playmaker Corner on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter accounts, definitely start those. That helps you out the most with your recruiting. I have been your host, Cody Stoffer. Thank you for rocking with us and continue to look for us and invite us to games. We try and make it out to as many as we possibly can and peace out.